and welcome back to a fresh episode of Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning. And to check out my SEO playbooks, B2B marketing guides, free podcasts, resources, or whenever you're ready to apply to work with us, head over to samdunning.org. But first, we've got to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Dealfront. Getting through to decision makers is harder than ever before. Most data tools promise the earth, but just don't deliver. Imagine your sales and marketing team could target ideal fit leads and close deals with a single tool. There's no need to imagine. Dealfront's revenue engine is built on live European data in multiple languages. Access information other platforms can't. Easily select decision makers you want to start conversations with, grab their direct cell phones and emails. Its algorithm understands the nuances in EU data, languages, culture and regulations. Dealfront draws from three layers of data, market signals, web visitors, and EU company databases. The platform's built for Europe's strict compliance standards, offering transparency into how it sources data, giving you GDPR compliance other platforms just can't compete with. Grab a free demo today at dealfront.com. That's dealfront.com, or visit the link in the description below. So today, joining me, we've got Trinity Noyen, Trinity is the VP of Marketing over at User Gems. We're going to be getting into how you can unlock a sales pipeline via relationships. We're going to be chatting about what this new magical, what this new sorcery is of using relationships and turning it into revenue and pipeline, why it works, how you can leverage champions, what they are, and how you can utilize your champion to drive pipeline. We've been talking a little bit about marketing playbooks, what to avoid, and a bit of a step-by-step. So with that, welcome to the show, Trinity. How's it going? Great. Uh, good afternoon. Morning, my time. But thanks, Sam, for having me here. A pleasure. Looking forward to the conversation. So getting stuck right into it straight away, relationship-focused sales pipeline. What what does that really mean, Trinity? Um Oh, it means so many different things, especially today when we talk a lot about AI. But specifically, um, what I want to share is like this one playbook that I personally love because we're using it and it helps me with uh, relieving some of my pipeline anxiety. So I want to share with other marketers and sales folks out there and hopefully that helps. But relationship-based, so I think, like, so for us, it means like following your customers, your users, even your close loss prospects as they move to new organizations throughout their careers. They know you already. They trusted you before. Um, they, they have the relationship with you, and that's going to give you the competitive advantage um, to break into new organizations. Uh-huh. So we're talking about following prospects that we've done business with before or that we have conversations with before as they've perhaps moved mm-hmm. on to new new companies or new sectors or... Well, that kind of thing, right? Correct. Like previous customers, previous champions. So we just call everyone champions. People who love you. Got it. Got it. Um, and do they have to be, like getting into it straight away, do they have to be mm-hmm. previous customers or can they just be people that were perhaps in the pipeline before that maybe didn't become customers? or uh, All of the above. So I think we get right to the, the, the meat of it. So it depends on your organization, who you define as your champions. So most right. people would think about close one opportunity contacts, a.k.a. people who bought your product or services before. Mm. And then the second, they were thinking about, oh, the admin and power users. So like, if you were in a SaaS world, right, 
So they might not have been involved in the sales process, but they talk to or like knew your customer success or they use your product a lot. So these are the real champions. So that's the first bucket, the uh, key champions. The second bucket is a little bit less obvious is like the happy users. So if you are a SaaS uh, company, you have like 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 users. If you can use net, pro net promoter scores, NPS, or product usage data, you can segment out the ones that really like your product. So that's the second bucket. The third bucket, like you mentioned, Sam, we call like key prospects. So these are the okay. closed loss opportunity contacts. So they didn't buy you then. Maybe there are a lot of different reasons, timing, budget priorities, but doesn't mean they won't be interested in buying you at the next organization. Maybe better timing, better fit now. Uh, gotcha. Even open opportunity contacts too. Sales cycle is getting so long. We see champions leaving company mid-sales um, cycle all the time now. So they're already a lot warmer, like marketing speak, comparing to like, your top of funnel leads. Understood. What was the first bucket? I didn't quite catch that, Trinity. The key champions. Okay. And the difference yeah. between them and the second bucket? So key we call it key champions. It's basically close one opportunity contact and then admin power users. But that's how we think about it. But obviously, every business defined this differently. We're just sure. ranking them by hot, like how hot this contact is. Um, Understood. Understood. Okay, so we've basically got close one customers. We've got power users. And then we've mm -hmm. got the prospects that yeah. didn't buy, but are still opportunities. And right. you've mentioned champion a few times. I don't think we've really used that term much in the, the 347 mm. or 348 episodes we have. But <laughs> I see it flying about a lot on LinkedIn especially from from kind of myself with, with a sales background that kind of moved into marketing mm. what what does a champion really mean in a, in a b2b setting i guess i guess it does come from the, the sales world so champion is just someone who advocates for you during the okay. sales process right um so we use it broadly to kind of encapsulate the people who would champion for you <laughs> advocate for you um, but then what does that mean? Like different companies define champion differently. Um, and that's why we want to keep it relatively vague. It depends on your business. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, so I want to talk about, I want to lay down a bit of a step-by-step -step for the audience on how they can essentially put this into play themselves, mm -hmm. how they can start identifying, I suppose, the buckets that are going to be relevant for them from these different three types of users and how they can then leverage the relationships, as we've not talked about that too much just yet, mm -hmm. to then drive sales pipelines. So I suppose, where do we start off? Like, what is the first mm. thing we should do if we're thinking, yeah, I think I've got a few a few prospects in each of these buckets. I think I can leverage them. But what, what's the first step, step that uh, an organization should take? Yeah, maybe um, I would do the, the reverse. So okay. kind of like the why first before we get into like the steps. So like, Sounds why good. does it matter? Um, whether it's relevant for you, right? So so for us, um, so no, not for us, sorry. Uh, like more like the why part. So if you're in SaaS this year, so this year has been really challenging, uh, especially in the SaaS world. And there are a lot of stats that's being shared out there, like from Gartner, Forrester, you name any like kind of like big organize, research organizations. So yeah. sales cycle is getting longer. I think it's 20% longer. And I think Salesforce share that an average deal cycle is longer. Um, and then you couple that with the deal size actually got smaller because budget is smaller. So 
vendor ran a, a survey in Q2, and I think like the average deal size now reduced by 45%. And then on top of it, um, the, the average buying group has increased by 33%. I think G2 did this research. So it means more people get involved in every single buying decision, especially the C-suite. So it's just harder to, um, to sell in this environment. And why is that the case? I think like in, in the, you know, the 2020, 2021, there was a lot of fear of missing out. There are a lot of new technology uh, growth at all costs. So we got to like try out new things. So that sentiment doesn't exist anymore. So it's now more like fear of messing up. Like people just want to make sure that they buy the right thing, the sure thing, um, you know. So because of all that stuff, this this is where the relationship part, the the people who already champ like already championed for you before, right. this is kind of like the wedge that helps you kind of gain that trust with buyers now. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. That, that's this. Um. This is research last quarter by Trust Radius. So. They surveyed 1,500 buyers every year. And this is really interesting because they asked buyers the same set of questions year after year for seven years in a row, trying to see if there's any change in the trend. And this year was the first time that they noticed a significant change. Like there are more people, the buyers this year, saying that they refer to their own prior experience with the vendor when they make the buying decision now. And that was never the case. It's in the top three now. So it kind of goes back to the whole like fear of messing up. I want to buy the sure thing. I see. So yeah. before did before did buyers prospects not they weren't really too bothered about kind of sticking with old vendors that they'd had yeah. experiences with, but only recently that's become quite key. Yeah, I mean I think in the past people you always use can kind of like refer back to the, oh I know that vendor I trust them, but then they're also like money was cheap then too, and we got to grow, grow, grow. So it doesn't hurt. The opportunity cost is low, so it doesn't hurt to try new things, try new vendors. There's nothing to lose there. But mm. versus now, budget is scarce, so you're more cautious, a lot more cautious. I suppose it's about being risk diverse, right? Especially yeah, with what's going on in B2B tech right now. Like you say, like funding is so much more difficult to get. Mm. And so growth many... is difficult to get. As marketers, listen to this, like pipeline is really hard to come by these days. So. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So it make, but, makes sense. Yeah, so that's why it's kind of like the wide like relationship is kind of like your wedge to get into the new organization. So I think that's kind of like the why where we advocate for like leveraging the relationship you already have. It took so much to build to win those customers in the past. Why do you let them go once they move into new organization? Why don't you kind of like following them, nurturing that relationship from the sales side? That makes the sales conversation a lot easier. So you can reach out, hey, congrats, we miss working with you at company X, but like, you know, let's keep the conversation going when you're ready to buy again. Mm. Got it. I imagine there's a lot of opportunity that gets missed by mm. B2B companies on, on this front because mm -hmm. I imagine it's quite easy to do, right? If perhaps the, the person that you were doing business with, whether that was like, I don't know, a marketing leader or a sales leader or a RevOps leader or whoever was your point of contact that you were doing business with directly that organization, mm -hmm. if they suddenly go, and then a new exec comes into the org and they're like, well, I've already got a prior relationship with this company yeah. or I want to go and find a new organization to do business with. Because quite often, from my experience anyway, yes. running a B2B SEO and web, web agency, when a new contact comes in, they've yeah. quite often got their own ideas. So that can, yeah. can mean our relationship can go out the window because they've got <laughs> yeah. their own thoughts and visions. 
Exactly. Actually, I was going to say, in agency world, you see this a lot. <laughs> For sure. For sure. <laughs> but, but yeah, you, you do miss out uh, sometimes. Like agency, I think agency, you usually have like one or two main contacts per client. But if you like running SaaS products, you have like hundreds of thousands sometimes, uh, depending on the type of products that you have. So people miss a lot of these opportunities. And we, we did do a research, like we analyzed like our customers before they bought the product and after and how many, and then look back in the past, like how many of these opportunities or job movements they missed. 91%, right. 91% of your customers that left to a new organization, your reps didn't pick up on it because wow. it's just so many. You don't think about it, right? Reps join organization for two years, move to a different org or a different team. All that relationship's gone. It's lost. So, and you have a lot of users too that your team hadn't met yet. So, and I suppose there's a few factors as well, depending on the size of your own company and organization and the churn of your own sales team. Like, how mm -hmm. effectively are they going to then manage those contacts that have gone? And if your sales team that yeah. are managing them have churned fast, then it's not something that's going to be tightly seen. Yeah. So it's, I suppose there's a lot of areas of neglect on, yeah. on this, this side yeah. of things. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a lot so, of upsides. There's a lot yeah, of upsides from the sound of it. Upside. Yeah. The downside is, which we're going to get to the tactical part. So actually the downside of this concept of like champion tracking, let's just call it like that, is that it's a really simple concept because I think anyone in sales and marketing, we've seen customers come back and we've seen that these are the hottest leads because they convert so quickly and so well. But to if you actually think about how to operationalize it, how to roll this out to your team, it gets really complex really quickly. Hmm. So we've, we've been doing it for this uh, for like four years. And even to this day, during our win-loss interviews, even our customers said like there are so many different scenarios that we didn't think of. I wish I thought of it because it's so complicated. So we're going to get to the, the, the tactical stuff. So the way I would break it down, hopefully make it a little bit easier is the first part is think about the input. Um, who do you define as your champions or who matters most to you? Um, and then okay. the second piece is the output. So not all job changes are created equal, right? They're not the same, right? They have to land in your target accounts, have the right title. So what kind of change that matters most to your team? Because you'd only want to surface the most relevant leads. And then the third component, so inputs and then outputs, the first component, uh, the third component is um, actually how do you make it so easy for your teams to act on this signal when it's surfaced without them having to like, you know, do a ton of clicks or do a lot of research, automate all that stuff as much as you can so that you can see the ROI from this program. So, okay. so let's get it, into each one. Each one, yeah. So in the input side, we talk about close one opportunity contact, so the buyers, power and admin users, right? Um, for SaaS, um, if you have a lot of like happy users, that's the second bucket. Because even though they were an individual contributor before, doesn't mean that they won't become a buyer in the next org, right? Or they can still advocate for you to the buyer. So that's the second one. And the third one is the key prospect. So we talk about close loss opportunity, uh, open up opportunity contact. Okay. 
All right. So yeah, we've got those three buckets in the input. So we've got three sections, and within section one of the inputs, we've got the champions, and those are the closed one deals, those are the power users, and the closed lost or the open open opportunities in our pipeline. So we identify those within our current, I guess, CRM. CRM. Um, so the CRM uh, for the for the users, if you have a if you have product database somewhere. Um, like outside of the CRM, I'd highly encourage to partner with your product team and see if you can sync that over and okay. bring in the product usage data that helps with segmenting out your user base. Okay, segment out the user base. And mm. what are we doing? Once we've kind of identified those three buckets, the closed one, the power users, and the closed loss or open opportunities. Yeah, then we go into the output. So right. now you set up the filters for like, what kind of changes do I care about? So you think about like the ICP ideal customer profile account criteria. So what kind of companies do you want to target? So you know typical firmographics, technographics, like employee size, revenue size, industry, geo, et cetera. So that's the first filter. The second filter is a persona. Who are you selling to? People do switch careers, so you only want to know the ones that like land and with the right title, right? So marketers know about this piece, but one thing I highly encouraged marketers to think about when they set up these kind of filters for persona is think about keyword exclusions to really narrow this list down. So for example, user gems, one of our persona is marketing, but we don't want all marketing titles. So when no. we set up the filters for us, we exclude like content marketer or like brand marketer, right? So the more you can, like the stricter you can set these filters, um, the most relevant job changes leads will show like will resurfaced because you don't want to have a bunch of noise for your team. So that's the output side. Okay. All right. Now we're going to the, the action part. This is a part where people get really tripped up on because so many teams can benefit. So most people think that champion tracking benefits for like pipeline generation. And it is like some marketing and SDR at the top of the funnel. But it's actually fun for the entire revenue team. So sales team too, like in an open opportunity, if a champion joined that company, uh, like a previous customer joined that company during the open op, that can help you accelerate deals. And then on the flip end from the client management of so customer success, so if a person, like a champion leaves your customer account, that's a churn risk, kind of like what you said about like in the agency world. And if anybody new joining to backfill that person, that person position, that's also a very big churn risk. So the customer success or client managers also need to be alerted. Right. Mm. I think we might need to, to break that down a little bit further, mainly for, for simple minds like mine that can only process a small amount of information at any one stage. Um, <laughs> I'm up to it so far. So I'm up to like input. Work out your closed ones, your power users, your closed lost or open ops. Then mm -hmm. go through to stage two where you basically identify the ICP, the ideal client profile mm -hmm. within that to make sure we've got the right types of companies, the right job titles, the right personas that we actually want to be doing business with. Mm -hmm. Then we get to the stage three yep. of actually working out pipeline for our, our sales team, whether that is SDRs or I'm SDRs. guessing account execs or yeah, perhaps a mix of, of all. Yeah, depends on some companies, the SDR would be under the marketing team and some companies, the SDR would be under sales, right? So basically, sure. whoever is responsible for generating the top layer of your funnel. Gotcha. So what we would 
<clears throat> recommend in like the actioning is like find out where your SDR spend their time. Okay. So if they spend their time on like outreach, sales lofts, you know, like the sales engagement tool, then automatically set, like set up an automation to route the job change leads to the right sequences. So they okay. don't have to go into your CRM and make the decision and adding people in, et cetera, et cetera, right? Because manual steps, it just means it's not going to be done consistently. So if you set up all the right sequences for the scenarios and you add them in there, then all you need to do is just open the tool and then execute the task. Uh-huh. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And then for the marketing, so if you run account-based marketing, and we, we do a lot of ABM here, so we have like 10,000 ICP accounts and we go after 200 accounts every month. So it's really important for us to know which when to go after which accounts. So we use this uh, champion tracking signal to prioritize. So we would go after company A and B because we found out in the last three months, we had a number of previous champions that just had just joined these companies. So we bubble and prioritize these accounts to go after. Mm. Okay. Okay. Mm. So... For a company that perhaps wants to just get started with this, mm-hmm. how do you make it manageable initially? Because mm. I can imagine this can get quite messy quite fast if you had, yeah. say, hundreds or thousands of champions, mm-hmm. depending on the size of your org, and, mm-hmm. and also your ACV, your average contact value. If you're dealing with really small deals and you've got tons of customers, mm-hmm. I imagine this can be a lot of data to work yep. with quite quickly. So what is like quite a smart amount of opportunities to work with initially and I guess some smart triggers to put in place. So yeah. then if, if someone moves job or moves to a new organization, you can track that and you can start with something that's quite manageable. Perfect question. It's true. Um, start small, crawl, walk, run. So when you start out, think of one type of input, one type of contact you want to track. So close one opportunity contact typically is the first type of input that people want to roll out. So one type of input and then one type of output. So land in our ICP account in a certain region or certain persona. So one input, one output, and then just work with one team. So like pick either an ABM team, if that's your main thing, or SDR team. Don't try to roll out across like all the use cases and playbooks and entire organization. So once you set up all the filters that we talked about, just implement one playbook. Let it run for about two to three weeks. You will see quick wins because it's small, manageable. The teams like have a lot of attention. Once you get a few wins in the first two, three weeks, that's when you add in the second play. So again, the second play also one input, one output, and one team that benefits. Do it again, rinse and repeat every two, three weeks. So after about like three months, that's when you'll be able to implement the entire play that benefits from the top of funnel to bottom funnel to post sales. Gotcha. Makes sense. Yeah. Now, when it comes to working with triggers, mm-hmm. so for example, I don't know, we've got, we're working with three brackets, right? We're working with closed one power users, working with closed lost or open opportunities that are still in the pipeline. When you get a trigger, i.e. a prospect within our ICP has just moved, let's say to a new company, and the sales team were like, oh, shit, I need, I need to get back a hold of this person and, and do some business ASAP. Um, is the trigger like automatically send them an email like, mm. what, you've left company, book a demo mm. with us. 
Um, or is it like a bit more tactful than that? I oh, yeah. prospect gives them a call or maybe sends a gift in the mail or yeah. what is a typical flow that you recommend companies take with kind of these three buckets? Ah, uh, I love your question. It's like all the right questions. And I, I promise whoever's watching this, we're not prepared. We didn't prepare any of these questions. This is so great. Um, be human. Oh my goodness. Uh, if anyone's listening to this, please do not um, bombard your like warmest contacts or your best champions with like this, like, you know, with the sales press. Um, that's what people call it in sales. So when someone, when the, the trigger happens, so the person changed the job. Um, the first thing you, when you reach out to is be human. Think of it like almost like a friend. When your friends start a new gig, what do you do? You, you reach out and congratulate them, right? It's like, hey, gonna miss you at your last company, but I'm sure you're gonna kick butt in the next uh, org. If you have a gifting program, I would say like send out a gift like, hey, just something small to get you started in your new role. And that's it. Do not ask for an appointment, a meeting. Don't ask for anything. Because if you do, then that just ruined the entire relationship. They know why you, your buyers are smart. They know why you're reaching out, right? Staying top of mind. That's your goal. And then that is, this is why like sales engagement tool is so great. Because then you can set kind of like the next step so they don't forget. Hmm. Two, four weeks later, give the person a chance to kind of like, you know, um, get their feet wet. When you circle back and like, hey, just circling back. How things going your end? Just like, how you ask a friend? How things going? And then like, do you know if like this would be a right time or not? Just it's all about the messaging. Be tasteful. Be human. Yeah. 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 Makes makes sense. So that's that's good. Um, I get that. I mean, obviously, you don't want to yeah. bombard them because I'm sure they've got plenty going on. If they've just yeah. moved an organization, they need to settle in. And yeah. You just want to like that. Do you just want them to remember you? And I know it sounds really um, fluffy. But internally, we've been run, running this place for uh, this play for our own pipeline generation for four years, right? And, th and these sequences always have between eighty to ninety-five percent open rates and twenty-seven percent response rate, like twenty to twenty-seven percent. So it works. I know it sounds scary from the like, sales perspective to perspective to not ask for anything, but usually the best time, best thing to do when you want something is don't ask for it. Hmm. So is that like a flow for a past customer that's moved organization that you've just shared? Mm -hmm. And how would that compare to perhaps someone that we lost or that might mm. be in the pipeline that's, let's say, ghosted us or gone yeah. quiet or dead in the wind? Like, how yeah. would you approach that one? Yeah, yeah. So like in the first email, like you could say like, hey, um, just notice that like you just saw a new role, like congrats. Again, like just congrats, right? Because they it was close loss, but didn't mean like, that means that they still know you. So you can still mm -hmm. reaching out um, the same way. First email, do not ask for anything. When you circle back, that's when you can do your prospecting and you can say things like, um, hey, checking in how things going. Uh, I know that a few moons ago when you were at the last company, you were like interested in us, like X, to solve this type of like challenges. Curious if those challenges are still relevant at your new org. Nice. To acknowledge that you know what happened. And you can set all these things up as long as, you know, you set up like the automation for different scenarios um, and, and, and tie it back to, is it like close one opportunity contact or close last opportunity contact? Do you folks always use email or do you ever use cool or any other channels? Uh, our sequences have uh, 
like multi like it has different um, channels. So call, emails, LinkedIn. Yeah, I think those are the main ones. And then we have gifting programs that we kind of like weave in to our as well. Got it. I suppose yeah. it depends on the the value of the customer or the potential deal size, depending on how intense it is and what you send them and the approach you take. Right. Yeah, you can you can um, build out. Uh, you can segment your sequences based on like is the new tab is the title is director and above, or like I see in different. You can tier your gifting programs and how many uh, how intensive your sequences are too. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we've talked about kind of quite a nice step by step flow of how to do it in terms of identifying the opportunities, kind of nailing down the ICP, the ideal client profiles, and then actually having a tactful way to reach out for them. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that follows on this or anything else that people tuning in need to consider? Mm. I think if you get, I mean, that's a lot already to digest. Like I said, like this place sounds simple, but it's really complex. So just, just start out with that. And if you see success and you want to scale, that's when like a lot of the things behind the scene, like how do I notify people outside of just sequences? Can I Slack them, send them a little an email, like you know all these things. But you can layer that in later on. But I wouldn't recommend trying to like boil the ocean from the beginning. Hmm. Mm. Can I ask quite a difficult question? Yeah, go for it. So this is this is going to be directly to, related to user gems, and mainly okay. because I'm nosy. Um, <laughs> so obviously, as as a tech company, you're probably investing in channels like paid uh, mm-hmm. search ads, Google ads, LinkedIn ads, etc. Like your own pipeline. Yeah. using this approach what percentage of your revenue is generated through this approach as compared to say let's say linkedin ads paid yeah. google search any other channels maybe g2 yeah curious okay. to know oh uh, absolutely i'm open to chair <laughs> so in our board deck i do have to report where our pipeline came from and the way we look at the sources is not like by like channel like marketing channel but it's like the program so inbound outbound referral uh, AE source partners, etc. Right. Okay. And champion tracking on its own is its own source because it's pulled in different like resources from the marketing side and, and SDR. So, to answer your question, this one, the champion tracking has consistently been contributing between twelve percent to sixteen percent of our sales accepted pipeline every quarter. Um, and this year. 22% of our close one revenue came from this program. It's a lot more efficient comparing to, so we are very heavy on outbound side because we like to do, to us outbound is like when we go out there and together. So like ABM, we would consider it as outbound, like events, right? Okay. Um, so compared to that one, and then even compared to like the, what we call inbound is all the like Google, uh, like the pay search, paid social and stuff like that. This one sure. is a lot more efficient because it's basically just running in the background. This is really crazy. It, it sounds a lot and very intense, uh, intensive based on what I share so far. But once you do the legwork, like a week, just setting up all the input output filter and like the sequences, hmm. it just runs in the background. But like you can ask any SDR on our team, uh, our demand as well. It's just a program that is always on. So we don't spend a lot of resources on that. And that's why it's very cost efficient. Nice. Yeah. And does that does it tend to be similar for, for clients as well? Does it tend to be kind of quite a high percentage source of, of their revenue as well? I, ma- I imagine, like you say, it takes a while to actually get the machine fully in play yeah. and, and do all these tactics that we've talked about and slowly build it up. 
Well, it's like it's, it takes about like a month to set up everything. So it doesn't take that much because you only need like one or two plays to show like opportunities and then you can build out the rest right in three months. Um, for all customers, so like people have been sending me messages saying that this this program on their end is number one or number two or number three sources of pipeline. Um, someone just shared yesterday in our customer, uh, we saw it in the customer post Slack channel, is that this program literally saved their year. Uh, when pipeline has been so hard to come by, it's literally like right now they're looking at the Q4 and it's saving their number this year because of this. Nice. And mm -hmm. I imagine the sales cycle is typically faster because you've already got that previous relationship and they already, in the case of, unless they're a, perhaps a closed lost or a prospect mm. that didn't buy, mm. they already probably trust you quite a lot because you've dealt yeah. business with them and you've had mm. various conversations and such. Yeah, true. Um, actually, even for the closed lost prospect, the sales cycle is still shorter. I talked to someone in cybersecurity company yesterday. Of course, it's not the hardest compared to previous customers, right? but they already went through the entire awareness consideration process with you. So they know everything about you. Um, so it's that we found it's about 54% shorter sales cycle uh, comparing to like just cold new leads. Makes sense. They already know you. So you don't have to go through the whole entire process again. Got it. Josie, mm. very mm. much enjoyed the conversation. Thanks very yeah. much for, for going on and thanks for openly sharing your own stats. Um, yeah, no problem. I share it on LinkedIn all the time. So <laughs> you find me on LinkedIn, you see a lot of this. There you go. Yeah, you go. You're, you're like me. You don't mind getting grilled. Good stuff. So <laughs> with that, please do tell us more about how everyone tuning in can learn more about yourself, user gems, and anywhere you'd like to send the audience. Yeah. Um, if you want to connect with me, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. So Trinity Nguyen um, with user gems. So you should be able to find me with a material background. Uh, to find out more about user gems, so it's just usergems.com. I know it's a lot of information that I shared today. So we actually have a, um, a playbook library where we break down, we give you like our entire sequences on the website that you can just copy and paste and give it a try. So just go to usergems.com forward slash playbooks. And um, there you go. Awesome. We'll put all of those links over in the show notes at businessgrowth.marketing. And I want to thank you once again for coming on, Trinity. No problem. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Always a pleasure. We'll have to get you back on in the future. Enjoyed it. Um, got to give a big shout out to the show's sponsor, Dealfront, the go-to-market platform for GDPR compliant leads for your sales and go-to-market team. You can grab a demo over at dealfront.com. As always, if you enjoyed today's episode, a rating or review on Apple is appreciated or subscribe on YouTube and we shall catch you on the next one for more no BS B2B marketing tips to grow your business and grow your revenue. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Catch you soon.